Welcome to the Cinema Draft Podcast, presented by DraftStream, a discussion show about movies, gaming, and the unexpected cultural detours that color our life. Please enjoy your stay and enjoy the show. It's your boy, Eduardo Jackson, CEO, founder, creator of the great draft stream and cinema draft games, daily fancy sports meets the movies. The parade of Rancy Slackers continues. Welcome to our guest tonight, Push a Man for them good scripts. The finest pharmacy in the five boroughs. It is Haseeb Jose. Yo, yo, Eduardo, what's going on? Glad to be here. Yes, yes. Welcome, our podcast virgin. Tonight's Andy Cohen-inspired Watch What Happens Lifestyle drinking game tonight shall be the word bad. Every time you hear one of us say this word, take a sip what you're sipping, because we will end up covering some of our favorite movie, Bad Guys We Love to Hate. All right, so on to our first segment. You are, and welcome, Hasib, to the show without segues. I just give a good air horn every now and then, you know, just keep us on our toes. Uh, okay. Now, uh, first thing is, uh, actually, maybe let's skip this part. Very important in these days and trying times. The world is still a viral dumpster fire. You, of all people, probably see it more than not. People trying to cure what ails them every day. We as a nation are still maskless, lawless, senseless. States are shutting down again, and for good reason, although I did find out today my beloved Washington State is only the fifth low as the fifth lowest in death. So, you know, keep doing your thing, Inslee. Anyways, I'm desperate for some good news, Hasib. Tell me something good. You want something good in terms of uh the virus, or you want just no, it, it could, whatever, whatever, you know, as my old uh, drama teacher in freshman year used to say, whatever fills your vessel, just tell me something good. <laughs> I, I'm just glad the NBA is coming back. Well, yo, actually, that is kind of good. It's been kind of spicy already. What's up with your man's yeah. Harden? What's up with your man? Um, my beard brother. Uh, <laughs> look, I don't blame him one bit. Houston does seem like a dumpster fire. I'm offended by the fact that he called it the Knicks of the South, but... You read my mind. I wanted to get you there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that was unnecessary. I mean, look, we're just innocent bystanders. I feel bit. like... A- I yeah. feel like I'm collateral damage, to be honest. Like that was, that was a drive-by. That was an unnecessary drive-by. <laughs> yeah. Actually, fun fact. Um, so the dude who's the GM down there is act actually is from my neck of the woods. He Rafael Stone is the older brother of Landon Stone. He was a senior when I was a freshman. I played ball with oh. his brother Landon, seventh, eighth grade. More more like I was on the team. Landon was the team in seventh, eighth grade. Okay. That dude had like was like anointed early and boy, and when he's a freshman on the varsity. Boy, did he know it, right? But no, but his uh, and so he played with his brother for one year, and and then I finally got to play Landon again by the time of senior year, and I finally made varsity, my little short ass. But no, but yeah, Rafael um is actually the GM of the Rockets, so it's just wild when that all of a sudden when all this stuff went down and Maury pushed, you know, uh, or got pushed out, or actually I or you know bought his way out or whatever it was, uh, it was wild when like Rafael Stone is that the same Rafael Stone? And I had like Google his ass, and yep, that's Rafael Stone. So yeah, fun fact, the Rockets. World. No, very much so. Very much so. Now, yeah. on to one of my favorite segments of the show, which is what? Where? 
watching. All right, and I like to share my screen for this. Annoyed by the horns already? Well, you know, you are not alone. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I being from New York, I'm very much used to them because Master Flex just blares them all the time. Oh, that's right. And yeah, and I just heard like the true story about how I I, I saw the like a, a Jesus and Marrow extra show they had where they had on like the extended David Letterman version on there. And I guess that whole funk master flex, funk master flex, funk master flex intro was from Letterman. I did not know that. That was wild. Oh no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that actually. And I saw the real clip where Rosie Perez is on there. Yeah, and I was going to Funk Master Flex, you know, uh some such and he's like Funk Master Flex. Whatever the crowd laughs, what a hard ticket to get or something. <laughs> See, I, I didn't know the guest was Rosie Perez, but yeah. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Ro I mean, you know, and shout out to Rosie Perez. My girl Rose, she is on a new show, The Flight Attendant. Are you are you familiar? Our first cultural cul-de-sac. Welcome to the show, Steve. Are you familiar with the flight the flight attendant show? Um, I've seen commercials, have not watched yet. Uh, I'm kind of interested actually. So uh, good, man. So good. You should check it out. Um, I mean, because, uh, you know, Kaylee Cuoco, you know, Big Bang Theory fame, she is drinking her body weight in <laughs> every episode. It is, it, I mean, it's a, it's a one woman, you know, alcoholic diversion program, straight up. <laughs> it's, it's, she's, she's messy, she's drunk, and she's playing, she's acting her ass up. I didn't know she had it in her. It's great. It's awesome. Okay. Yeah. Well, so the first show I'm watching, and we'll get to uh, what you're watching in just a second, is Borgen. Pack. Spin Doctor. Are you are you familiar with Borgen? Have you seen Borgen? Seems like someone in our Brancy Slack have seen it. No, I have not. Not even heard of it. What is this about? Yo, I am all in. It's so it's about Danish parliamentary politics, focused on the first fictional female uh prime uh, stats minister, aka prime minister in Dan. I'm, le I'm learning all this great German, so I've gotta gotta show it off. Uh okay. the first uh first Danish stats minister in uh in denmark and her spin doctor that's literally what they call him like the media advisor is called spin doctor okay. it, it, they, it's weird the word the english words they actually decide to co-op in the language but like spin doctor or like uh what's another go fuck off is fuck off <laughs> i mean you know so okay. yeah and everyone's like all multilingual so it makes us look like dumb americans like like at least i am at least i only know one and a half languages but no it's great um she's she's oh, a beauty hey. too yeah uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, Katrina Fonsmark. I love these great names too. I'm, I'm sucker for names. Uh, okay. She plays the lover of the on again, off again lover of the spin doctor. You remember your boy, Euron, right? Yeah, I do. That's I, was Euron. Like, I was like, why does he look so familiar? Yeah, yeah. Euron from GOT, baby. This is uh, maybe about seven years prior, six years prior. I think they filmed it from 2010 to 2013. So yeah, this is him playing this Casper uh, Euron, the spin doctor. And, uh, yeah, and then this is like his on again off green girlfriend, uh, Katrina Fonsmark. She's a, a journalist over at, um, well, she starts off in this one paper and then goes to a different paper, but she's like a you know, political journalist. So they're always getting it on or off. And it's oh, wait, just, wait, wait, wait. hold on, hold on. Are you yeah. saying that she's like a newspaper polygamist? <laughs> no, 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 uh, good catch, good catch. No, she okay. she actually she actually kind of gets herself, she she's a tough hire, let's put it that way. She's always getting okay. her some shit. Uh, but you know that's the kind kind of journalist you want, right? Your little muckrakers or whatever. So okay. Uh, but no, and, and yeah, this guy he's a piece of shit. He runs like the, <laughs> <laughs> he is the Michael uh, Mikhail uh, Lagrasen. He basically runs like the, the the Daily Mail version of of the Danish newspapers. Yeah. Okay. 
piece of crap. But it's a real, it's happening. <laughs> I mean, and it really makes me, you know, I mean, want to. I mean, I'm not. I mean, obviously, you know, our constitution is what it is. Two party system, whatever. We all know it's broken. But yeah. watching shit like this, and, and I know it's fictional. It's kind of like watching the West Wing of, of Denmark. But watching parliamentary politics versus, you know, the the hellscape we have now, where we're like, you know, begging and pleading America to do the right thing for one little state to elect two senators so we can at least a smidgen of democracy again. It's just sad, man, about how much I'm pining for parliamentary doc, uh, parliamentary uh, politics, where you actually have to make a deal to get anything done. So yeah, yeah. Mitch McConnell's head would explode if you actually had to, you know, see part powered anybody. Yeah, because when you're, I mean, because she, I mean, and she's great. First of all, she's very hot uh, for for prime minister, and so she plays kind of like a youngish um, prime minister uh, who who always has to. I mean, she, like the majority in that country for her is like thirty six percent. And so, and then, and so it's like a very narrow majority. And so, you know, there's always like, you know, horse trading in, in the scenes. And so I just, I just love it. It's great. You kind of, I mean, and I do, you know, and, you know, like I have my little rundown, you know, like my notes, you know, you know, just like zone and basketballs for cowards, dubbing's for cowards. Read the caption all the oh, way. No. You have to read your real voice. Are you, you dubbing? Did I just oh, no. Captions all the way. As an anime fan, I never did dub. Always did subs. There you go. Yeah. Wow, that's some tough love too. You're doing it for anime, so yeah. Uh, you, gotta, you are a dubbing uh, truest. So yeah. pure. So yeah. And then the other show I'm watching, of course, because I am black and I am, <laughs> and there is part of me that is just preternaturally drawn to these trashy, uh, Real Housewives of Black People shows, and it is the Real Housewives of Atlanta, back for the 13th season, found in. The, in last week's talent pool, no, not Beverly Hills. No, not mm-hmm. although Salt Lake City's been interesting. Have you followed Salt Lake City at all? Uh, no, uh, I know a few people in our club group who are really interested in it, but yeah, no, yeah, it's, it's messy as hell, but you know, but here's the original mess, and this time with yeah, she gone, no more Nini. Yeah, she's out. Okay. I, I mean, and now that I think about it, I didn't see uh, Eva Marcel either. Maybe she's had enough of it. She was on there for a couple seasons, really spiced it up, at the, a one-time model. She married, um, uh, I think, dude who went to my school, too. I think it was behind oh. me. Uh, oh, no, no, that's a different guy. That's a different housewife, Paul Judd. She's on a different season. Anyway, okay. so they're all back, and I was kind of curious to see how they do with COVID and everything. I actually thought they wouldn't even have a show. I mean, you know, because they're mm-hmm. a whole deal is about like getting together and starting drama so but i mean it, the first episode was all right i mean all of a sudden now portia williams you know th- who came on several seasons ago as the dits of the bunch married to cordell stewart remember that shit slash <laughs> yeah you didn't know that she was married to slash no no idea yeah man i mean and yeah, there are all sorts of rumors about that marriage like it was i mean not that it was like set up but like Question: I mean, what do you know about Atlanta? Atlanta men, that whole scene down there. I mean, you know, he was just very suspect. Anyway, he was he wasn't very much on the. Not, I mean, you know, you know, be true to yourself. Don't hide that shit. But he, I don't know. He he was kind of rumors were had that he was he was suspect. So their marriage failed quickly as soon as her star showed kind of bright, and now she's like a fixture of the Real Housewives. I kind of can't imagine it without her. Their dumbass <laughs> because she came in the first season saying because her dad or her. Yeah, or her uncle or something was like an old it was Hosea Williams, old school civil rights like you know activist, and she didn't even know what the fucking Underground Railroad was. 
Oh God. <laughs> so now she's all like getting arrested, you know, protesting for Brianna Taylor in Louisville. And and uh, uh one of the, the side characters, Marlo, called her Portia Luther King. <laughs> oh. So seeing her evolution over the years has been has been wild. And I don't know, it's been it's it's been fun. I don't know if you ever watch a show, probably not, probably not your speed, but I mean I sometimes might need to have some decent third monitor entertainment while okay. I work on this game and 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 work and shit. And Sometimes you just want to feel better than other people, you know? I'm not, <laughs> I'm not above that. Uh, all right, so what, that's what I'm watching. What are you watching, Hasim? Um, I don't watch much TV anymore. I have been catching up on my Naruto with my girlfriend. Okay. Because um, this is my rewatch for me. It's okay. her first time. Um, I did watch The Unhappiest Season the other day. Happiest season or unhappiest? Are you, are you making a play on it or? <laughs> no, it is the happiest. It is the happiest season, right? Okay, for, me, it, for me, it seemed like somebody was unhappy throughout that whole movie, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Because I, I kind of covered it in one of my little uh, strategy pods. But yeah, what was your take on Happiest Season? Um, It was it was an entertaining watch. I I understand that it's a rom-com and a, and a Christmas movie, so you got to have that. You gotta have the happily ever after at the sure. end. To me, it didn't sit right with me at all because I was like, Kristen Stewart's character's gotta leave this girl at this point, man. But that was my how I felt. And part of me was like, we're still hiding our sexual orientation in twenty. I mean, I'm not. I mean, it was written by a gay woman, directed by a gay woman, you know. So I'm not doubting it. And, and you know, it's, it's you know, sitcom. I mean, it's essentially a movie sitcom. Sitcom yeah. premises are there to be exaggerated. So I'm not necessarily doubting that it couldn't happen. I'm sure this shit still happened. I'm, I'm positive. Mm-hmm. But it just it just felt kind of weird, like like the extent she was using to kind of I mean it, I don't know. I mean I'm you can't, I guess, destroy the whole central premise of it with you can't attack the central premise without destroying the whole movie. But mm-hmm. I just wanted more for Kristen Stewart. I mean, even from oh, how to ambush en route. To, I mean, they're almost there. It's just like, yeah, I kind of tell them that I'm, that's the talk you have before we start packing. That's the argument you want to have before you start packing, you know? Yeah, that car ride was frustrating. <laughs> and so did you, like, the rest of the internet ship uh, Kristen Stewart and Aubrey Plaza? <laughs> Plaza? I was kind of rooting for it. Yes, yes. I was, oh, my God, yeah. I mean, Aubrey Plaza was just a ray of light in that movie, shining upon me. I want to take a shower in that ray of light. No, yeah, and I mean, she is weird because she usually tries to bring some kind of sarcastic, dour energy, but she was kind of like just normal. I mean, so, oh, so this is what she looks like normal because you know April Ludgate from Parks, you know, dark, gothy, weird. Um, what uh, I saw that uh, indie movie she did with um, O'Shea Jackson, kind of little, you know, dark, weird, you know. So this movie she's kind of normal. What what's the name of that movie? Oh shit! That's oh, Ingrid goes west. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was good. That's when I was like, "Oh, O'Shea can act." Okay, because that was yeah. like maybe two films after he did, you know, his debut and you know, as playing his dad and right you know, and straight out of Compton. So I didn't, I didn't know if he could act or he was just like a mimic. But no, he could. I, act. Gotta, I gotta give you props because you're right. This is like one of the few times I've ever seen Aubrey Plaza straight manning it. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I love her generally. I love, at least I love the concept of her. I really did like April Leggett. She was nice, funny downer in that 
really upbeat show. But uh, yeah, and and not only that, uh, I mean, I thought Dan Levy was great. I, I mean, people love Shit's Creek. I, I swear I tried, mostly for a girl, so of course it's thick. But I tried Same. to watch it a few times, and it didn't cut, quite stick with me. But I, every, everything else I see him in, he's, you know, he's likable. And so him, this whole little moment where he's playing straight is pretty funny, too. <laughs> Yeah, so what do you bench? It was it was a corny movie, but the corny parts kind of worked. So I think it's yeah. I think it's a good movie. And I think what also is fascinating is that it took this long for, I guess, like uh, two gay women at the center of a holiday rom com. Like it, it felt so normal and natural. It's kind of like why don't we see more of these? You know? Yeah, no, I agree with you, man. I I had a good I had a good time watching it. Yeah, it was cute. It was cute. All yeah. right, so what else are you watching? Give me one more. Uh, Cobra Kai. Yo. All right. Expound. Tell our our watchers and some listeners why you're into Cobra Kai. So I just started like a month ago. I'm still on the first season and I'm really into it. They they are layering (laughs) both the dude from Cobra Kai and Daniel's son. And it's just like yeah, they I, did. I, I actually like it a lot more than I like Karate Kid. So oh, oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I haven't heard that take, honestly, but I mean, I don't blame you. I mean, so what I like here is that what, the hardest part about reboots, and you know, as a writer in a lifetime ago, I've tried taking <laughs> some reboots, trust me. Yeah. Uh, what they did, at least for, you know, for the the 21st century, with, which I thought was pretty smart, was that yeah. they, I mean, it, this is not a reboot, it's an extension of the universe, but it's a, mm-hmm. it's like a natural extension. And and I think what they did was great was that they made who we thought was the villain, theme of our show today, uh, who we thought was the villain and sw- switched him into kind of the anti-hero. Yeah, yeah, he's a little bit misogynistic, he's a little antiquated, doesn't know what a flip phone is in 2019, which honestly doesn't make sense. I mean, or he has a flip phone in 2019, which is a little bit weird. But, you know, so he's a bit of a throwback. He's a bit of a throwback. But, I mean, you know, they, they humanized him because in Karate Kid, he was just an ass. He was yeah. just a dick. And, and, I, and I guess, and then I think in, um, it might have been, I'm not sure it's season two, but there is a scene in this series, and it's not really a spoiler or anything, but where he actually, we actually see him with his dad. Like, like uh, I, I think it was a young version of him, and you see, like, what, you know, why he became a villain. So they fleshed out his character. They made him three-dimensional. And honestly, that's why I, I like Karate. I like this more than Karate Kid, because so I feel like there's such a good guy, bad guy then dynamic in that movie. But in this, you're kind of like, oh wait, there's more gray area with both characters. So yeah, yeah, it's like life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you know, and and the the karate's not bad. I mean, you know, it's what it, it's what it is. But I mean, it's I, I really enjoyed um, I really enjoyed this. Uh, uh, this remake or whatever, or this extensions brand extension. Oh, oh snap! So it's coming back. All right, January eighth. Okay, cool. So we only got a few more weeks. Awesome. Oh, so I gotta catch up real fast. All right. Yeah, Cobra Kai. Well, they're half hour shows too. So yeah. what are you waiting for? <laughs> All right, good shit. We're on to our next segment now. This is the theme of the show tonight, and it is. And oh, I, sorry, I had here top three, but no, you're on a top five show. This is a holdover from the last rundown. When I had the tripod on, which three of us been going for hours, so I kept it for three. This show, we're doing top five villain movies. And the rules are as follows: name a movie that features a memorable villain. We alternate picks. Once someone picks a movie, that movie is out of play. And because I'm a gentleman, damn it, draft mom, guests always go first. What do you got for your first film to see? 
first film, I'm going with the Joker from The Dark Knight. Knew it. I had. I. I. You know. Well played. You're playing the game. Gotta take it off the board. Yeah. Tell us why you picked the Joker from The Dark Knight. I just appreciate the whole chaos approach to everything. It's how I've approached the internet my whole life <laughs> as an internet <laughs> troll. And yeah, no, it's it's something sinister about. You never know. You never know his backstory or anything. You know, you don't know why he's doing anything, and it's unsettling and unnerving. And he's the yin to Batman's yang in that movie. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, and he's got great lines. It's an excellent performance by Heath Ledger. And sometimes yeah. I kind of wonder if it broke him. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, because he, I mean, he died of what, like a, a drug overdose. You know, f- you know, a few years later, and it's kind of like, I mean, obviously we feel robbed of his talent, but it's like he went so deep into this that I'm not. I think he might have been a little, little. Off. Not, I don't know if he was off in coming to the role, but he definitely something must have been a little bit off after, which is sad. But I mean, he gave his all to the role. It, it stands the test of time. He won a posthumous, you know, uh, uh, Oscar or whatever. Well deserved. Yeah. Well deserved, yeah. It's and yeah, he's the best part of that that reborn trilogy. You know, no complaints. It was on my list. Taking it off my list. <laughs> Act, you know what? Actually, I didn't even start because I knew you'd go for it. So I'm taking a super obvious one off the list too. And I'm going Darth Vader, Star Wars. Got to do. Got to. Okay. Yeah, I hope that's a gut punch because I, I mean, he's super obvious, but you know, and. I'm not even sure how old you are, Steve, but I'm pretty sure you're younger than I am. doesn't take much to be younger than I am. <laughs> and uh, I remember young me. Now, this came out in 77 and summer 77. So I and while I was told, you know, my dad dragged me to see this in the theater, I couldn't have been more than a year and a half. So I don't remember actually seeing it in the theater. But I was old enough to see um, to, to see Empire Strikes Back as a kid. And, and then, you know, retroactively watching, you know, Star Wars and all sort of stuff. So. My first exposure to him probably actually, yeah, let's, let's go to Empire Strikes Back. It's probably better. That's my mm-hmm. first real uh, uh, remembrance of Darth Vader. That motherfucker be bold, all right? He'd be force choking dudes, and he'd be like, I mean, I mean, he he's scary. He's dressed all in black. He's got the mechanical voice, the, the James Earl Jones voice. I mean, which I mean, honestly, and 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 let's and not even it's not even like racial politics. Oh, why the black man got to be the bad guy voice? But it's just a great voice. That's a voice for all time. What I a mean, great I, poster! Oh, oh, I know. Is it the German one? Hold on. Yeah. yeah, and real real talk. I had and probably still have somewhere in the basement uh, Star Wars sheets that look something like this. It's like, or I mean, not this kind of style. You know, it's like you know, Luke's got the lightsaber and and he's got he looks actually a lot more ripped than he actually is, and Leia's <laughs> and spaceships and yeah, that's very seventy style right here, very seventies. But no, but young me saw like you know the the battle the the I'm your father no I'm theater going no <laughs> so yeah this thing has it all and he is just the best villain because the because sometimes you're what is it what do they say keep your enemies close uh close you know, keep your friends close your enemies closer but you can't get closer than your dad <laughs> you can't get closer than your dad so that nope. revelation broke me uh, what what are your thoughts on Darth Vader? Actually, wasn't on my list because I knew you would take him right after I picked. So okay, uh, damn it, damn it! I want to snake some course. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, no, Darth Vader is yeah, yeah, true villain. Look how he dominates all of the art on this. I mean, he's yeah. looming specter over everything. Yeah, he's oh man, that's great. Oh yeah, yeah. Empire Strikes Back. I mean, I I don't know if I 
I mean, I've got my top two film, favorite films of all time, obviously Boomerang, obviously White Man Can't Jump. After that, it's been a throw, bit of a toss-up, but right. you know, Empire is up, up there. I mean, Oh, for sure. It's incredible. Although I, I hate to admit, though, I tend to skip the Dagobah parts. It's kind of slow. Right. I, I mean, it, it's necessary, but it's kind of slow. I always jump to like Han Solo doing shit or Cloud City. I love that. <laughs> oh, the Cloud City scenes are terrific. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So what, yeah, what, what's, your, what's your next film? Uh, my next film, it's going to be. Don't do it. Don't do it. Oh, what'd you think I was going to do? All right. You know what? I'm going Skynet from the Terminator movies. Okay. All right. Invisible faceless, uh, uh, thing that we can't really folks. Thank you. Cause I am totally snaking one on your list next. (laughs) All right. So Terminator 2. Got it. Or or was it Terminator? Which one do you want to? Um, oh, we'll go with Terminator 2, sure. Okay, um, two. Yeah, no, I've always had a paranoia for of technology and how far it can go. Mm. And these movies have, uh, well, Terminator 2 especially, probably the best one of the whole series in my opinion, but played on those fears of how if we're too reliant on technology, technology will take over us. How far does your paranoia go? That, and when you say you have paranoia of it, are you, do you? Does that mean you actually kind of fear watch, like like you like to fear watch these type of movies, or you're like this thing freaks me out? I I'll see it once and I'm done. Oh no no no! I'll fear watch it. Yeah yeah for sure. Oh oh, then I got a show for you real quick. Cultural cul de sac. Uh, okay, let's next. do it. Have you have you seen that show next on Fox? Yes, this is uh, Network Ed. I'll let you see, Jay. Network Ed coming through with the other network show. <laughs> so corny, but no, it's on. It's on a Fox, and it's got your your boy John Slattery. He's um, he plays uh, kind of like a like a. What is like, this? I've never heard of this before. Like a crankety crotchety Elon next or uh, Elon next Elon Musk type character, where he's kind of invented like an, an AI that goes rogue and like start. But the thing about this AI, it's set in today's you know technology whatever and all this shit is plausible if there was an ai smart enough like it starts like like ordering uh, it starts like uh, uh spreading fake news getting people around i mean for all we know an ai could this could be all a simulation for all i know right we all be being managed by some ai or whatever that's like okay let's fuck with dumb white people in the south and make them you know uh not want to vote for a republican you know who knows but the the things are doing in this in this show could plausibly happen in real life. It moves fast. It is scary because it's also plausible. And another episode's coming on is oh damn, not till next week. But it comes on Tuesdays. So you got some catching up to do. There's about maybe six episodes left. It's not sadly being renewed for a second season. Oh, but yeah. it's it's got a really good first season so far, honestly. All right, I'm in. Yeah, yeah, check it out. It's on Fox. You know, they probably it's on, it's on Hulu, I'm sure. They got the little episodes on Hulu if you do that. Okay. Or your or if you ride the high seas like yeah, boy. <laughs> yeah, and he's and yeah, Slattery's good in it. You know, he's got like some sort of degenerative condition, so he mm-hmm. also wants to cure this before he dies. And and this thing is stalking them. It's like straight stalking him and like the FBI agent and stuff. And it's it's wild. Yeah. All right. All right. Anyway, so I'm sorry. So back to Terminator Two. Mm-hmm. Uh, any other thoughts you have on on uh, why Skynet's such a great villain? Everybody, I feel like if you go on these villain lists on, on the internet, they're always focusing on the Terminator. And in my opinion, the Terminators are just like tools. They're weapons, right? Good point. And in the hands of somebody good or bad, they can be good or bad. Uh, Skynet is just cold, ruthless, rational. 
realizes right away that it's people, humans that are what's wrong with Earth, and that is just ruthlessly. And, and that's the motivation, right? Like the human, yeah. it's that the, because left to our own devices, we'll just war ourselves to death, or is it that Skynet's like, I need to survive, so I need to wipe out people who can hold me back, or is it both? I think it's both, but more the former, in my opinion. Yeah. Okay. Because like, one of those movies where like a rogue AI is trying to stop us went, I mean, is that the one that went through like the quick history of humanity that showed like glimpses just, like all war, war, war? Is that the one? Or is, or is that another movie I'm thinking of? Are you thinking about 2001? You know, actually, I, oh man, this, this is the whole of my pop culture resume. I've never seen 2001. What? No, and sci-fi like, fuck. All right, I'm gonna put this on the list. I, I my list is getting long. Every time I have one of these pods, and I've got great guests like you and stuff, they give me new shit to watch. So putting on the list, 2001. Because I mean, I there's no there's no excuse for it. I see there really isn't. No, it, it it is like a landmark. It's it's. Yeah. I'm surprised you haven't seen it. I, I'm sur- look, look honestly, I am surprised too. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna get right on that one. That that that's sad. <laughs> that's really sad. It's just yeah. like like the first like the first part of the movie is just incredible. You're gonna be like, wait, what's going on? And then you're you're gonna be like, oh, oh, it's gonna just hit you. Okay, all right. Don't no no spoilers. I'll, I'll check it out. Oh, no. I'll check it out this week. Yeah, uh, for sure. I know what the movie was. I think it was War Games. Have you seen War Games? Not in a long time. I think that's from the '80s, isn't it? 83, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I've I never seen it as a kid. Right, I saw it in the theaters. I believe that. that was right in my wheelhouse. Shall we play a game? Yes, I'm definitely a war, a war games guy. And also, they said it in Seattle too, or or just like, yeah, you're we got an asshole who lives in Seattle who doesn't know how to swim. I was like, mm-hmm. I'm seven. I know how to swim. <laughs> okay, all right. So that's a that's a good pick, an unconventional pick. I appreciate it. I'm going to conventionally take one off the board as well. I'm going with, and you knew this was coming, Killmonger from Black Panther. D- D- Panther. Was okay. that on your list? Wasn't actually. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. now, you, know what? you know what? We're good to see. Now I can stop trying to play the games and do my picks because the rest of my picks from here on out, there's ain't no way you got these picks. So I'm, oh. I'm feeling good. I, I got the ones I was worried about out the way first. This is great. Okay. So, I, I mean – I, I mean, I've already talked too much this podcast, so I can just go on about how Killmonger is just a great villain. He's smart. He's educated. He's committed. He's driven. He wins the sympathy, honestly, of the audience yeah. half, halfway through. I mean, he's, you know, he's not entirely wrong. <laughs> there early, I think I came home from the Black Penta that night, and I was checking Twitter, and and people were like Kill and Killmonger was trending because he's a badass villain, and also mm-hmm. and you click on that lit on on that trend, and people were like Killmonger was right. <laughs> we need we we need to to have Africa for Africans. <laughs> oh man, so yeah, I don't know. It was it was. I mean, it's compelling, and obviously Michael B. Jordan was awesome in it. He had. You know, just the right amount of swag. He became yeah. meetable. Is this your king? I mean, yeah, he, he was an excellent villain. Any any additional thoughts on Killmonger for for VVP villain mo, MVP most valuable most val MVV most valuable <laughs> villain? There we go. Um, I am upset that I didn't even think of him. Yeah. Oh wow. He, he's he's just like the villains that you can relate with are probably the. Amongst the best ones, in my opinion, and he is 
eminently relatable in this movie. Well, you know, they say, or at least they tell writers, or I've, or I was taught this, read this several times, is that you know, uh, villains always think they're the heroes of their own story, and this was yeah. it could have been more, you know, dead on the truth than this. I mean, basically, Killmonger was right; it was just his means that were a little bit off, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> Much agreed. Yeah. So I'm very curious to see what they do with Black Panther, the Black Panther uh, two. <laughs> You know, with you know Shuri, Shuri kind of either taking on the actual suit or taking a more central role and all sort of stuff. But I am, I mean, I, I really enjoyed this movie. I really enjoyed Michael B. Jordan in it. I, I enjoyed kind of like the conversation about it too, and I enjoyed all the money it made. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> all those all those motherfuckers in Hollywood who said that you know you know black people don't do overseas. No, fuck that. We were you know I, we we crossed the billy with this, didn't we? We got or we got close, right? A billion? I'm not sure. Yeah, I might have to check box off Mojo on that. You all right? So go ahead and uh, do your 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 third film while I look up this stat. Um, I'm gonna go with Hans Landa from Inglorious Bastards. Oh, that's a good one! Wow, I totally forgot about that guy. Yeah, good good catch. Yeah. Um, what makes this guy? Really, really bad dude. I guess everybody's got a drink now, right? Um, what makes this guy a really oh, bad dude? Oh, thank you. Yeah, sorry, I'm asleep in my own show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, what makes this guy a really bad dude is the fact that I don't think he truly believes in the Nazi philosophies at all. He's just really, really, really good at what he does and he enjoys that fact. And it pushes him okay. to be this, this ultimate asshole. And now what, now what makes you think he doesn't actually believe in Nazism? Is it because he's such he's so gentlemanly even when he's like murdering your family or what? I mean, when you're watching the movie, it's just like he does it doesn't seem like he really Yeah, just subscribes to, to, to Hitler. Like, yeah, sure. Like I think at the end when he's a, right, about to get scalped. Oh wait, spoiler alert, he's about to get scalped. Yeah, yeah, this this is this is definitely, you know, we're spoilerific podcast. When we're talking about movies already out, yeah, go for it. Yeah. There we go. Like I think he gives away the fact that like he never really cared about doing any of the things. He just was really, really good at it. That's how I felt about the ending. Yeah, probably. I mean, it, well, I think those are always to the the scariest villains, the ones who are just like polite. <laughs> I mean, because polite people, I mean, I mean, yeah, the the world truly isn't by and large, run by you know the Trumps of the world. Usually, you have you know usually people who get things really done, or they're like the plight villains. Here's a great example of a villain in a slight cul-de-sac, but still on topic. I was uh, watching uh, Axios on HBO. Uh, what was it like? I guess the episode before this this past one this, that came out this week. So two weeks ago, they had fucking Carl Co not Carl uh, Charles Koch on there from the Koch brothers and doing some well much needed you know image rehab in mm -hmm. uh, in advance of the Biden administration. And he was basically like, yeah. Uh, I didn't really believe in all this Trump stuff. I just supported some of their policy. And it's like, dude, yeah, I mean, no, you know, you, I mean, you know, in for a penny, in for a pound. I mean, right. what are you talking about? And then, and of course, this guy's, I mean, he made his money on oil stuff and he's, he's, just, he's an all around bad dude. He wasn't fooling anybody, but he was very polite, very well groomed. And, and I was kind of checking Twitter afterwards to see, you know, any, Kind of like chatter about him, and no one was really like. I mean, some people called him out, like the, the activists did, but like you know, mainstream centrist press just you know treat like another interview. I'm like, no, I don't want four <laughs> years of image rehab for all these you know motherfuckers just kind of watch you know uh, watched 
uh, Germany burn or whatever. No, 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 no. I want a round of 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 consequence repercussions. Oh, retribution. Yeah. But anyways, that's that's a political cul-de-sac. <laughs> Don't do that too often. Here. But yeah, so no, you're you're right. But I mean, he's very polite. You know, he's very he's he's very you know, kind of precise. And so that kind of hides his villainy all the all the the better for the worse. And I picked another Oscar winner. Oh, you, you want Oscar? Yeah. Are we doing an Oscar count of these villains? Because uh, you probably are up like one or, or two. Yeah, two to zero on my on my villains. I guess. I guess. I guess I need to step up my villain game, huh? Get find me a villain with. Oh shit! I just thought one in the moment. Oh, I know who you're thinking of. Yeah, and I'm taking it. That's my next pick. Okay, go for it. Training day, damn it! And you know that's a, that's a failure on my part. That's a failure. I mean, he he is truly my favorite actor of all time. Period. Just like Thanks. the podcast. Yeah. Uh, Training day. Yeah, he is the villain's villain, Alonzo. Damn. What? Wow. Okay. I was that's hoping you were going to sleep on him. I thought I was going to get three Oscar winners. To be honest. Ah, uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm you know I'm competitive, Steve. You know, I, yeah. you know how I am. So the second I'm like, oh shit, he got he got two Oscars up on me. Let me get let me get an Oscar back. Yeah, this dude. I mean, what more needs to be said? First of all, is long overdue. I mean, yes, he won one for Glory, but he totally was robbed, robbed from Malcolm X. And I've always maintained as an actor. Uh, uh, one time actor myself that it's always hard to portray people who actually live because it's so easy to, to fall into mimicry, blah, blah, blah. And instead of a woman who, uh, I mean, give me a fucking break. But this was more than a makeup Oscar. This was well-deserved. This was, I mean, one of the most charismatic and chilling portrayals we saw on screen. I mean, I, I remember being a little like perplexed when Ethan Hawke also got nominated. I mean, rewatching it, he does fine in this movie, whatever. But Ethan Hawke goes on to do like much better stuff. But he, mm -hmm. but he did, Absolutely. he did. But I guess you do deserve an Oscar nomination for not getting blown off the screen by Denzel because he was he was in his bag on this. What do you, what do you remember about Training Day and, and Denzel as Alonzo, uh, the the villain of the piece? Um. I was taken back by how goddamn cool he was. And <laughs> like, I'm almost rooting for this guy and I, I hated it, you know? Like, this guy is like just corrupt and messing up his community, but he's just cool and, and that leather jacket, man. Leather jacket is iconic. And, and, and he takes that pleasure, enjoys his job because yes. of the dark arts of it, you know? Mm hmm. Tells you like the right type of weed to get and everything. I mean, he's wild. Yeah, Denzel, man, just oh, man, I love, I, I love this man. He's so good. He's so good. Uh, quick uh, Denzel aside story, um, because you know his his son John David Washington. He went to my alma mater Morehouse. Uh, he's he's at least, you know, he might well he might have been a decade behind me. It was a while ago, but um, but uh, and so he so when he was out, you know, after Morehouse trying to you know get signed on with St. Louis Rams. He was on the practice squad and I guess he still you know, traveled with the team or whatever. So they came out to uh, Candlestick and a good friend of mine, she, uh, as a side hustle of her, she would, you know, uh, be like a server uh, during during the season on in the suites back when we could still have crowds and people at games and shit. And she said uh, when they, when the Rams came to play once, uh, Denzel was there and he was in one of the suites and everybody you could kind of feel like the whole center of gravity in the luxury suites kind of you know, focused her attention on wherever Denzel was and everything. And so, and I guess she serves his suite and everything. And you're supposed to tip the people after the 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 thing. And, and the richer they are, the the cheaper they tend to tip. 
But Denzel gave her a hundred dollar handshake at the end. I was like, look at you. You met Denzel and he gave you a Benji. That was pretty cool. So he is an all-around good dude. He really is. Mm-hmm. All-around good guy. There you go. Denzel Washington. All right. So, so training day, that was my third. What is your fourth villainous pick, Hasib? Um, you snake me. Woo! <laughs> now go up front. Um, I'm going with Bishop from Juice. Yeah, feel the ledge, feel the edge, or whatever that was. <laughs> yeah, bro. Yeah, tell us about tell us about Bishop from Juice real quick. So, Tupac, absolutely amazing in this movie, just destroys this role. Um, so look at that. He, I mean, in the foreground, I mean. What was it? Was this his? Was, was this his first movie? I think this was his first movie. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's already accomplished as a rapper, but this might be his first. Wow. Yeah, yeah. This is this is like Will Chamberlain his rookie season, pretty much. Um, yeah. Um, if I can get into the movie, uh, him and uh, his friends, I think they were in high school at the time. They uh, commit a heist on a bodega. Um, some shitty shit went down, and. He does not want his friends to snitch because he's paranoid, and he ends up systematically tries to kill them one by one, mm. and that is just grimy as hell. And you just see how sinister he's getting progressing throughout the movie. We really do, and it was it was uh, filmed or directed by Ernest Dickerson, who was at the time was Spike Lee's cinematographer of choice, and it was a strong debut, man. Every, and honestly, every time I see Den- Ernest Dickerson. On a credit on like just like a TV episode, like he works primarily today mostly still on TV, which mm-hmm. I mean <clears throat> maybe that's where he likes. I don't know, but I mean you, I mean you see like just the promise brimming out of this film of everyone involved, especially you know Ernest Dixon behind the screen. You're like, I mean you understand why Omar Epps is the thing in the '90s and why you know yeah. Pac, you know, just charismatic and you know in all media, but especially as an actor. I mean you know the guy had had some chops. So oh man, yeah, Juice is a good one, man. I just, I mean I'm trying to remember. How did I feel about this in the theater? Because I definitely saw it when it came out. I was in high school. Um, I mean, I think what, the thing that, that stayed with me, at least the first time I saw Juice, was just kind of like the fashion and everything. And it was oh, yeah. very of its time. The bucket hats. Look at these bucket hats. Man, I had me a UNLV bucket hat. I won't lie. That was all the rage back in, in, in 91. A UNLV bucket hat. Uh, you I, know, I the, was fucking the urban camo bucket hat when I was in high school. So, yeah, I felt that. There you go. There you go. Uh, and then you're like the Gumby fade. I can never quite get there. Never wanted to quite get there. But that was in shops. So I, I definitely felt the 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 gritty, grittiness of it. And just in the one scene that stayed with me was, of course, the locker scene where he closes mm. the locker. Boom. What up, Q? Yeah. <laughs> I love the elevator scene, to be honest. Oh man. Yeah. Oh yeah. This just the the, the the tension of that. Yeah. It's in Queen Latifah. You know, in in her prime. Oh yeah, so good. Khalil Kane. What happened to this dude? <laughs> I don't know. Where is he at? <laughs> I mean, last time I, you know, actually, all right. This is what we do on the show sometimes. Sometimes you just have to go down a quick rabbit hole. Khalil Kane. He was always a pretty motherfucker, light skinned dude, good hair, all that good stuff. A lot of good looking people in this movie, by the way. Oh yeah, yeah. Omar did his thing too. Yeah, and it, was this the movie where Omar got with um, Cindy from uh, from In Vogue? I think this was. Wasn't that this movie? His girlfriend was one of the girls from 
for one of the women from In Vogue. Is it? Do you know In Vogue? Are you? I do remember, are? and yeah, I do remember them. They're the R and B group, but uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. How I remember it? It was this was yeah, Cindy Heron from In Vogue. This is like probably her only credit too. That's why she has no picture on it. She was oh, in Batman no. Forever. She's been acting. Okay, look at you. In Vogue, right away. Like, yeah, okay, so it was her. Okay, yeah, this was that movie. Yeah, he was hooking. I remember he was hooking up with her in like the back room or something. And In Vogue, especially at, in what was this, 90, 91? I mean, super hot. I mean, definitely like the, the girl group you could bring home to your mom. Like, you know, they wouldn't stand a chance in today's landscape because, you know, they're not talking about their WAP. But man, <laughs> every guy wanted to get with one of the women in Vogue. For, for oh, sure. man. Yeah. Khalil no, Kane. What up? Yeah. Is he still acting? He is still acting. Be someone. Some okay. Some series. Home going. Short. Millennial. He's coming to Africa. Is that the coming to America sequel? I'm like, what is this? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. All right, Khalil. Well, you know what? I guess you can only stay, but so pretty light skinned in it for so long. <laughs> Just kidding. I love my Alaskan brothers. Uh, elementary. So guest starring stuff. Okay. And I think I didn't we see him. I want to say he was in. Was he in Spencer for Hire or that was some other? Oh no, that was Bokeem Woodbine. That was another '90s heartthrob. All right, I'm sorry. I totally derailed this. Anyways, oh, he was on Girlfriends. He certainly was, wasn't he? Yeah, no, he was. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, as long as residuals clear, you know, you know, as long as he's not working at, at at Best Buy on weekends or what was it Whole Foods where we got our boy, where we fed our boy, you know, doing the honest work. People try to shame on the internet. And they end up getting him a job, um, dude from yeah Jeffrey from from Cosby Show. Uh, yeah, that was weird. Yeah, tangent to tangent on the show. Okay, so all right, so that's a great pick, Juice. Uh, my fourth one, and this leaves a lot of good options left on the table too. Oh, there's a lot of a lot of villains left. Yeah, a lot of good villains. Uh, and you're not getting you're not getting either of these, so it's not even like a defensive pick either. I'm gonna go with Khan from the Wrath of Khan. Oh, yeah, Ricardo Montalban, Mr. Rich Corinthian Leather himself. <laughs> All right, let's go. Yeah, he. Uh, so, are you familiar with the Star Trek series and/or Khan? Yes, I am. Okay, cool. Yeah, I saw this in the theaters. I was seven at the time. This thing freaked me the hell out. Because when, I mean, it, it was great. First of all, it's a great movie, fun time had by all, great science fiction and stuff. Uh, and special effects for its day were, were pretty solid. But when Khan, I think early on, sticks like a worm in someone's ear, Young E was out. I was out. I was like, ah! I could just feel it crawling into my brain. It was gross. Yeah. It was much. But no, he's, he's a great villain because he's evil. He's unrepentantly evil. He's singularly focused evil. And he actually has, yeah, I mean, he, he has like a, a reason, like a cause. I mean, it's not a cause that justifies the extent of what he does. He's not, it's not Killmonger-esque per se, but right. I can respect someone who's just batshit crazy all in, singularly focused on his mission to destroy another man. I can respect it. <laughs> there you go. Look at that. <laughs> Look at the thing. No, it's sliding. Yeah, look at that. Look, I mean, the jewelry, you know, the entourage. Absolutely. I mean, this is a great studio photo. This is great publicity still. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Khan, Khan was that dude. Yeah, so, so what were your impressions of Wrath of Khan? And, and how old were you and what place were you in your life when you watched it? 
what year did this movie come out? Because I might have been like six or seven years old when this movie came out. I didn't see it until much later in my life. I want to say it was 82. Are we the same age? For real? No, I might have been three years old. Oh, yeah. Then I'm three years old when this movie came out. Yeah. No, oh, no. Okay. Oh, no. I was a wee child. I was one years old when this movie came out. Oh, okay. Okay. That 1982? Yeah. They have summer of 82. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. I was one. <laughs> but... <laughs> I remember seeing this in high school and being like, yo, look at this guy. Why is he the bad guy? I want to look like this man. Yeah. yeah. He, wanted to, he wanted to destroy Kirk, but uh, he was yeah, the man. Kirk, Kirk was kind of feeling himself, too, by this point. I mean, the first, the first Star Trek, I, I mean, I didn't see because I was kind of young. And also, my mom didn't take me to see that one. But for whatever reason, I conjured into seeing this one. And it was, it was some good stuff. And he was kind of feeling himself uh, with his all. And I think this is the one where he talks about the Kobayashi Maru or whatever. And and he was and and he was kind of like you know. And I guess they the, the, off the first movie, whatever it did in the box office, like it did okay. But this is the movie that really put. Uh, I mean, that really vaulted the film franchise into the consciousness of America because after that, they I mean, like you know, three and four. I mean, like those were like big summer events. And, and and Kirk is a character who's kind of feeling himself, so it's kind of good to see like a guy really come for his neck and like just manipulate everything that he can to just kind of like destroy this dude. And like once again, I respect someone who you know, you know, <laughs> knocks him off his knocks him off his cool, you know. Spock. Oh, it's Kirsty Alley. Ah, used to be a major babe who had sense. How far we've all fallen these last. I totally years. forgot she was in this movie. Yeah, man. She yeah, she's. She's looked good for a while, you know, even with the weight fluctuations, but now she's not hot. She's not hot anymore. What's between the ears? Not hot. <laughs> Is that Val Kilmer? No, that can't be Kilmer. No way. No. Okay, he looked he looked Kilmer-esque right here. Yeah. He looked like Top Gun era Val Kilmer for a second. My bad. My bad. No, that picture had me going for a second too. Yeah, I mean, quick look, you know. All right, so what's your your fifth and final pick this Eve? There's no way you have this one. My final pick is not one person, but a family. Oh. It's the Armitage family from Get Out. The white okay. family. Doing it as a, you know what? We'll allow it. Do uh, Now explain for those, uh, why, those why, as a family, they deserve to be a villain on our podcast. Um... By the way, shout out to Omid from the Slack group. Mm. Told me that, uh, yeah, these guys are villains. Slight plagiarism going on here, but... Um, you gave credit, we're good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, I gave credit where it's due. He... Okay, so... This white family tries to uh, take advantage of this young black man's youth and, a, and just overall sense of being. And it kind of plays into, uh, let's say, this idea of uh, neoliberal white people and how they can be problematic in ways. So that's why I love this idea. And shout out to Amit again for uh, telling me about this one. So, yeah. No, that, honestly, that's an inspired choice. Uh, I mean, they—they they, they are honestly, you know, the villains of of this movie. I mean, and, and it sneaks up on you though. That's the best part. I mean, which is kind of, you know, the the 
best worst racism. Like, I mean, you don't see it coming. I mean, I, I don't know about your background. I mean, I, I think you, you grew up in New York or something, right? Like you're, yes. or, yeah, you grew up in five. I was born in New York, but we defected to Seattle, you know, when I was like three and a half. So my first memories of anything were the day we got to Seattle. So I grew up in Seattle. I claimed Seattle, fuck New York sports. Sorry, not sorry. But, yeah, yeah. But, but the thing about Seattle is that Seattle's full of the Armitage family, straight mm. up. They will smile in your face. They will say the right things. But my God, I mean, some of these some of these white people are real. I mean, they don't want you to date their daughter. Let's put it that way. At least mm-hmm. in the 90s, especially. They did not want you to date their daughter. They'd say the right thing. They would know a black friend or a black person, all that sort of stuff. But they were not about that. And what's wild about the Armitage family, obviously this is a movie, so you have to make it dramatic and interesting. But they were into kind of, of, of it's not even like recruiting, but like, almost like like you pluck a flat harvesting there we go they're into harvesting yeah. black men you know for like for genetic superior superiority reasons but the, the myth of you know black you know genetics whatever and it's wild and and this whole kind of like the is it gen, eugenics of it all or whatever it was it's some fucked up shit but the best yeah. part of it, they couched all of this kind of latent racism under you know the the faux veneer of of you know white liberalism it's it's wild yeah Mr. I would have voted for Obama the third term if I could. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Bradley Whitford still doing good work. Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, this, this is an awesome film. I, I think I saw it four times in the theater. I went by myself. I went again. I brought a girl. I brought it for, you know, I had to see that thing multiple times. Yeah, this was one of those movies. I went to see it with my girlfriend first. I am dating a white woman. <laughs> so it was an interesting experience. I was dating uh, at the same time too. I brought her to see it. She loved it. It was great. <laughs> yeah, she loved it too. Um, and then I think I saw it four times too in the theater. And every time I went to see it, I took a different friend who had not seen it. So, yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. So for my last one, and there's so many still left on the board. There's so many still on the board. So I'm going to cheat and do a few honorable mentions. Honorable mention, uh, <laughs> Zod from Superman 2. Neil before Zod. Honorable yeah. mention. Uh, honorable mention. Uh, Amy Dunn, Gone Girl. She, oh. She's the fucking villain, dude. Okay. She, yeah, yes, yes. You know, latent male, you know, uh, ideas of the perfect women and, and latent misogyny or whatever. That's kind of villainous, too. But, you know, Amy Dunn's the bad girl. The bad, mm-hmm. the, Amy Dunn's the bad girl in that movie. Mm-mm. And then, and then, of course, Miranda Priestley from Devil Wears Prada, total villain. But the villain, I'm gonna settle on the last one. Um, can I can I mention a couple? Yeah, do your honorable mentions, please. Yeah, um, Michael Myers from the Halloween movies. True, true. Um, Freddy Krueger. Yes. Um, he's in your dreams. I'm surprised none of us picked this guy, but uh, Scar from Lion King. Oh. Oh well, you know, I was never really a big Lion King guy. I, I, I've seen him, but I've never was really big on that. So that, that totally missed me. But sure, that that counts. Yeah, bad guy, <laughs> bad guy. Mm. All right, so my so my, my final one is Alex Forrest from Fatal Attraction. Oh, okay. You laugh because you must be familiar. Yes. This, was some shit. This got Glenn Close an Oscar nomination. I don't think she won it for this though. Uh, I mean, I don't, she, I don't think she's won. Wait, has she won one at all? 
Oh shit, that's. A I don't think she has. I don't think she has. You're, oh my god, I think you're right. She might be the Susan Lucci of the Oscars. No, so this was this was this was some shit. Um, I might have been what was it, 89, 87. Yeah, yeah. So I I don't think I saw this in the theater because ain't no way mom was gonna take me to see an R-rated movie then. But I did see it some way somehow, and it came out on video. And yeah, and she was she was something else. Now, similarly motivated, you know, for somewhat good cause to an extent. See, a lot of part there's a problem with a lot of these villains. I mean, this theory just kind of candy. So, so hang with me for a second, Hazib. A lot of these villains actually have good points, but they take things just too fucking far. Mm-hmm. Now, you can't apply it to all villains or all villains people, even in real life history. But I mean, some of these villains have good points; they just take it too damn far. She, I'm all right. So I, so basically she kind of got ghosted before ghosting was a thing back when she had like a one night stand, actually two night stand with this, with, uh, with, uh, uh, Michael Douglas's character, Dan, Dan, I will not be ignored, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) No, but, uh, so she kind of took it too far, but so she has a point about basically, you know, you need to, to, to be a man, you know, at least be a man, say you're through with me. Although when he when she finally pressed him, he was like, no, we're done, I'm good. And she's but she's kind of far gone at that point. Mm-hmm. So she kind of had a point, but I mean, there's no call for boiling, you know, someone's bunny. There's no call for what you didn't know that? Leave the stuffed animals out of it, man. Oh, okay. Yeah, your, your eyes went wide, I'm like, oh, you just forgot about that. Oh, yeah, no, the, the boiled bunny, you know, like boiling real bunny, that's that kind of sick. Um, the stalking, you know, before we had like really strong anti-stalker laws. Yeah. Wild. I mean, you know, showing up at work, never a good one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Always a no, no. Oh, hold on, hold on. What, was, what was this one? Farlig forbidden, for, for, forbidden, forbidden That must be like, that must be the Danish version. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. she cuts herself, attention grabbing. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's all bad. But they had some really hot sex, man. I mean, elevated sex. <laughs> I mean, it was really oh, so so late '80s too. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was really good in this role. She really, I mean, like I said, she had grounds, but way too way too far, and also didn't know her role, didn't know her place. And I think because of movies like this, it really did kind of help form uh, pop. You know, some of our reactions in pop culture onto like what the real role of a side chick supposed to be. She was a cautionary tale, like not only for how men are supposed to treat side chicks, but also how side chicks are supposed to comport themselves. I would think, you know, don't 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 be an Alex Forrest, y'all. Don't be that. I still don't understand the fascination with Michael Douglas. Oh, I mean, he, I mean, I don't know, man. He had that hair. Look at that hair. That's what good hair. It's gotta be the hair because I mean, look at this picture right now. Like, this Chance is- don't go with that. No, no I mean. Well, I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I don't know if this is like a, a, a man thing or a black man thing, but like we traditionally are really bad at like, you know, rating other dudes. Like like Eddie Murphy and Boomerang. Like, I can't tell you if a guy looks good. Look at his shoulders. You know, Billy D, he looks very smooth. You know, I can tell you in this picture, he looks he looks like he's going to to steal your girl. He just kind of does. And, and mostly the hair. And then, and then, then this is like, and his stretch in the 90s, another cultural cul-de-sac, was fairly fucking unparalleled. I mean, or the 80, late 80s to the 90s, and I, it might have crested with fatal with um, uh, basic instinct. Honestly, I mean, he still kind of got it. I mean, <laughs> remember when? 
Remember when he went public with his HPV uh, diagnosis because it came from surfacing the lady too much? I mean, who gets away with that? Didn't no one raise an eyebrow? Like, oh, you know, he just likes to dine out. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> Michael Michael Douglas does his thing, and he's just always kind of been that dude where he's he's charming, he's dangerous, and he just kind of he's kind of that dude. You look at look at the eighties, right? Look at so. Star Chamber started something. I think I might have actually saw that when I was uh, DVDing my Netflix show. We forgot another. We forgot another villain, Gordon Gecko. Uh, man, you know, some people would say he's not a villain. He's a hero. <laughs> Most people oh. hate him as a hero. The eighties were a wild time to see him. I'm glad you're too young to experience it. <laughs> <laughs> would those people be uh, um, Jeff Bezos? Man, greed is good. And actually, I was watching um, what's it the Reagan's? No, I was watching the Empire Empires of of New York. The you probably don't watch this nonsense. It's on, it's on CNBC. It's a, no, it's like it's like a, a documentary series on like uh, Trump, Leona Helmsley. Um, uh, what's this, the the guy did all the insider trading? Leon something or other and yeah it was the leon guy they're focusing in on the guy who basically faked his way into it or did a bunch of insider trading and, and he was basically based on gordon gecko was basically based on shit it's gonna it's gonna annoy me until i find this out leon uh uh inside trader leon no leo ah ah anyways oh, empires of new york Empires of New York. Who is that guy? Gotta find this out. It's bugging me. Leon Bosky. Ivan Bosky. Ivan. Why was the thing Leon? Ivan Bosky, the insider trader guy. Uh, basically, the greed is good speech, and I did not know this until I saw this just this past weekend to the last episode of Empires mm -hmm. of New York. Uh, was based off a speech that he actually gave at like of all places, Cal Berkeley. He's at Cal Berkeley in like the 80s giving a speech and basically said greed is good. And they lifted that and put it into, into uh, the Gordon Gecko speech. Oh, wow. Yeah, wild, wild time. So, yeah, Wall Street, Black Rain. All of these movies right here from Romancing Stone on. I'm, I'm sorry, but your man's Michael Douglas is just the epitome of like swashbuckling cool. He really was. He had the hair. He had that look. And he honestly did not give a fuck. He looked like he could be like your your, your boy hanging out, but also you wouldn't leave your girl around him. You absolutely would not. Not in falling down, though. Good point. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> that one, I think, might have been possibly Oscar fishing. And disclosure, he plays kind of a bit of like a neutered uh, man in the Andrew Shepherds. So you see the transition after Basic Instinct into, you know, a slightly different version of his career. But, yeah, those mm -hmm. in his 30s and 40s, man, he was killing the game. Mm -hmm. fatal, yes, Fatal Attraction is my final answer. And on that, and of course, I lost my trusty soundboard. So let me go get my soundboard back. Anyways, you know, you know the drill. We have no segues on the show. There it is. There we go. We're gonna go on to a short break for those of you who are listening at home. We're going to tell you about the game. Draft stream, how it's played, how you can get involved. So we'll be back with you right after this. Movie theaters are on hiatus, but we here at Cinema Draft are not. Draft stream is the streaming content version of the Cinema Draft game you know and love. 
just like with Cinema Draft, you have a $100,000 salary cap for a 10 actor call sheet. No more, no less. But in this one, you have to have at least one of three types of actors for your 10 actor call sheet. Headliner, co-star, and day player. Scoring is based on a weighted average of Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic scores plus audience and user scores. Headliners get a 40% bonus while co-stars receive a 20% bonus over day player points. There's a weekly minimum $50 prize pool shared by the top two non-Cinema Draft employee call sheets. Or you can go low. Cinema Draft offers a minimum $10 lowball bonus to the lowest scoring call sheet of the week. To qualify, your call sheet must spend at least $75,000 of your budget, use at least one actor from three separate titles in the talent pool, and, of course, roster at least one headliner, co-star, and day player to your 10-actor call sheet. The game runs from Thursday evening to Monday afternoon with daily updates on Saturday and Sunday before final scoring after Monday, 12 p.m., Pacific time. Currently, we are alpha testing DraftStream in a rudimentary spreadsheet-based format while we work on adapting it for digital play. Tweaks happen almost weekly due to player feedback. We really need the data, so please help us out and play the game. A link to the most current talent pool is included in the podcast description. Please review the rules tab and submit your call sheet by Thursday, 6 p.m. Pacific time. Thanks again for your help and good luck. And we're back. Okay, so our quarantine movie of the week last week was, of course, Noel, a joyous little Christmas tale of Chris Kringle's daughter who ventures out from the North Pole for the first time in her life to, to find her brother, the new Santa who's gone AWOL. Are you familiar with Noel, Hasid? No, I'm not actually. What? You didn't see me badger y'all in this? Oh, you know, actually, I don't think the Slack was around back then. I was really hot on Noel last Christmas. I was, I was okay. all in the, the Watch Facebook group, like, you guys, you gotta see Noel. <laughs> okay. That is my joy. No, it honestly, I mean, it's, and it's so wholesome and PG and corny, and, but it's very clever. All of the little kind of Christmas little sly stuff is in there. And the love interest is, is, uh, oh, I always screw his name up. Ben Kingsley Adir, Ben Adir Kingsley, you know, the the the, the brother from the UK, um, the one who Wait. played Obama in the latest, um, whatchamacallit, in in uh, the, the Comey series. By the way, this guy, Ben Kingsley Adir, has major balls because he played Obama and then he plays Malcolm X this year in uh, One Night in Miami. Yeah, I mean. I think he is, but you know what? He pulls it off. Chadwick Boseman, RIP, but there is now an opening for play every historical character, every black historical character possible. There's, there's an opening in that club. He's trying to fill that he's trying to fill that market void, I'm telling you. <laughs> but no, he's charming in that as well. It's it's just such a really good movie. I'm watching probably uh uh in the next couple of weeks. Uh it's I think we were listing Christmas traditions in the Slack the other day and as far as what we watch in mine and this is now a new Christmas tradition. I think I watched it two or three times last year. Excellent entry by the Plus Disney Plus, and that was last week. So this week, our quarantine movie of the week is Gloria Bell. Are you familiar with this film, Hasid? 
Is that Julianne Moore? Oh yeah. I it's on my watch list. I need to watch it. Still bring. I mean, she and so basically, so Gloria Bell, Julianne Moore stars in the titular role as a '50s divorcee who's new to dating in LA, and she may have found her some real love in the club with John Turturro's character. And uh, I mean, I want you guys to watch this movie, but I'm gonna have to spoil something about this a little bit. I said, huh. I mean, not. I'm not gonna spoil all the way, but when we're talking about villains. This dude was on my list of villains for real. John Turturro is the 50s version of a, a 50s equivalent of a fuckboy. All right. Oh. I'll give it at that. He is the ultimate fuckboy. I I was so irate coming out of this movie. I hate it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to see if I can find my tweets from then. It was like two years ago. It came out like summer, like late summer of 2018. I was I, I was so angry at Turturro. Where's Turturro? Let me get a picture of him on here. He is a fuckboy. He's a beta cuck. He's whatever you want to see. He's just the worst. The absolute worst. I I hated him so hard. For, here he is. I mean, so he's such a talented actor. I love him. I'm sure he's a great person. Very talented. The Kanish. He'll always be the Kanish for me from Rounders. But my God, he's such a fuckboy. Oh, I could not stand it. Oh, so I'm I'm actually intrigued to see your take on this, having prejudiced, you know, your 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 viewing already. I'm very curious to see what you think about this guy in this movie after you see this. I don't know if it's like a run out to watch, but it is our quarantine movie of the week. So I all of y'all who are watching at home uh, and, and listening at home, please tweet me, give me your tweet length review at Play Cinema Draft on the Twitter sphere. Tell me what you think about whether or not, and maybe, you know, maybe I'll run a poll. I think I'll run a poll. <laughs> On top of Gloria Bell to see if you all think that John Turturro's character is or is not the, the ultimate fuckboy. <laughs> and it's streaming on the Amazon Prime. There you go. Free. Free for all you Prime subscribers. One of the 127 million. I know who you are. It's, every, it's all of us. <laughs> all right. Hoping, it is time for our draft stream update. And quickly from last week, you know, form held. The guy you love to hate, Gamble24x7, a.k.a. G24, the homie who went ahead and just did the clean money sweep. He crushed us. He did. He took first. He took second. And for his encore, he won the low ball bonus for the $15 bonus, taking $90 out of the $100 player pool. He's done this several times before. He is in rare form. G24, the homie, is the all-time draft stream leader, almost twelve hundred dollars won playing a free-to-play game over these last eight months. Shout out to the to your man's. The perfect call sheet looked like a lot of like an optimal stack of just another Christmas headliner stacks. The SEAL Team. I mean, these CBS shows just will not fucking die. <laughs> Euphoria. It's a little one-off. Doing my drugs. Excellent title. Uh, <laughs> documentary on some sort of I think Brazilian something player and then sound of metal uh olivia cook but the star of it really the true headliner was uh our boy riz ahmed that's a perfect call sheet so shout out to gamble 24 and also third place jaybird who was the cinema draft alpha test all-time money winner he is also in second place overall in the standings with a little bit over 850 dollars one he got in third place for 10 have you seen any of these shows in the talent pool from last week, like Your Honor or Mank? Were you part of our Mank discussion today? Uh, I have not seen Mank yet. I want to see Mank. 
no, I haven't seen any of these shows. Oh, yeah, I'm a lot of fun, by the way. But yeah, no, I haven't seen I haven't seen any of these shows yet. They're on the watch list. Mank is on the watch list for sure. Shameless? You seen any of the seasons of Shameless? Is no. And you know what? One of my friends actually writes on the show. So no, I haven't. Yo, for real. Who, who's who's your friend? Sherman Payne. Oh, very cool. Very yeah. cool. Yeah, that's a, I mean, I I mean, I remember when I when it very first came out, like I was gonna I was gonna check it out regardless. And part of me was like, yeah, white trash, you know, this is reparations on screen, whatever. But no, it was I mean, I was shocked at how how well written it was and how it's got some it's it, it sneaks in some poignant stuff here every now and then. It wasn't just, yeah. you know. Yeah, you know, uh, it, it, it it wasn't just you know watching like a trashy family on TV. Let's put it that way. So so I'm in for a penny and for a pound. It's eleventh eleventh final season. So and I I'm actually in, not checked out this the season eleven debut. So that's probably what I'm watching tonight. I'm I love the first season of Euphoria, so I can't wait to get into that Zendaya episode. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's good stuff. So yeah. I gave my thoughts on Mank on yesterday's strategy pod, but yeah, I, I enjoyed Mank and David Fincher really commits to the bit. Totally made a 1930s style film in every form and fashion. It's very cool. Even to the opening credits where they basically do all the end credits, but opening, you know, you know, those old school ones, you know, starring the big fonts and the dot, dot, dots. And yeah, it was very, it's very old school. So I, I enjoyed the commitment to the bit. Uh, this week's talent pool 25 hot ones headlinered by uh, well this is actually I'm I'm thinking this is going to be our first down week in a while Hasib and hopefully you'll we'll get a chance to play the game this week we'd love to see you in there um you know mixing it up free to play of course three call sheets maximum gear selling shot at the $100 prize pool in our free to play game but Ip Man Kung Fu Master is coming through I know there's some Ip, Ip Man fans out there shout out to Downey Yen yep uh, I watched a trailer of this one, Wild Mountain Time, a love triangle film set in Ireland with Emily Blunt trying on an Irish accent between her, Jamie Dornan, and John Hamm. No Irish that's, accent, though. Although, that's a hell of a cast. It's a great cast. And yeah, Chris, and Christopher Walken does an Irish accent, so I might actually watch this. I might, I might be riding the high seas with you on this one just to check this one out. Okay. It sounds very improbable, but yeah, he's in there with an Irish accent. It sounds kind of shaky in the trailer, but you know, I want to see it in context. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, Jamie Dornan, you know, looking normal. <clears throat> but yeah, this is uh well, no, I mean, I mean, I don't know. I my exposure to Jamie Dornan, I know he was a big thing to UK audiences for a while, but my main exposure to him was the Fifty Shades series. So he always has a shirt off and acting like a freak. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, so those. So I just. Th- I think. I. I don't know. I mean, I'm. I, every time I think we're gonna have a down week in scoring, and as you can see, our average score was eighty. Is eighty-seven point sixteen last week. We still somehow exceeded that ninety-one point eight three. I'm always. I'm still continually shocked. But some weeks where it doesn't seem like there's like really big fair. I mean, Mank was a big title, I guess, going into the week. Um, eh, so it was a Euphoria. Shameless return all as well, but I just kind of thought it'd be you know a down. Selena, I thought would do better than it did. It only got seventy eight point five five. The critics were not feeling it mm. at all. Thirty nine from Rotten Tomatoes, forty eight from Metacritic. So, My. yeah, but uh, so that kind of hampered its score. But uh, you know, it it still somehow outperformed the season average. But this week, I think we are going to dip below because it's reflected in the salary making as well so check out the salaries real, real quick top to bottom 
fourteen thousand. This might be our our cheapest price salary slate ever. I don't think we've ever had anything below fifteen thousand as the top salary. So, so adult material only because it's already come out overseas. I think. Yeah, a woman's life working in the adult film industry. And I think it's like a period piece too. So hmm. so I'm going to check it out. Uh, and in and in Brit fashion, four episodes only, hitting quit it, very Brit-ficient. <laughs> so I wonder if they'll dump it all at once on HBO Max, but it's HBO Max property. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, eh, what else might perform here? So this is going to be a week where salary-wise, and, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with the rules, basically have a $100,000 salary cap like daily fantasy sports, you must have at least one headliner, one one co-star, one day player. Headliners get a 40% bonus on points. Co-stars get a 20% bonus. Day players just get straight points. And so you the, the object is to get as many headliners. Uh, obviously, you can only get up to eight. Uh, get as many headliners as you can onto your call sheet of 10 uh, actors. Uh, you must have at least one actor from two different properties. And then, yeah, get the most points. So get the most bang for your buck, just like Daily Fantasy. And so this is going to be a week where you pretty much get what you want. I mean, if you want to get headliners from safety, you know, this is Disney Plus doing the old heartwarming, you know, uh, heartwarming athlete story. If you want to get, uh, you know, the surgeon's cut, you know, it looks like it's going to be an interesting little reality show series on surgeons, I think, in a New York hospital on Netflix. You can get that. I mean, you pretty much get whatever you want this week. It's just Figuring out, and usually I don't do my call sheets until Thursday afternoon because that's when you've got the most available possible data at your disposal. I just think coming Thursday, I'd it, it's I just don't know where I'm going to go. May, I mean, tiny pretty things. If some reviews come in on this, this one's a bit of a risk because this one debuts Monday, which means technically, and our game runs Thursday, 6 p.m. Pacific time. That's when call sheets are due through Monday noon Pacific time. So on a Monday debuting show in a streaming service usually means it's available midnight pacific time sunday night so you only have about a 12-hour window for for audiences of which our game is skewed towards you know we give we wait 60 percent uh bonus points towards the audience score in making the score so you can have a, a movie that's that's badly reviewed like selena was you know but then get bailed out by audiences you know with the uh, with the 60% weighting score. So yeah, so I I don't know. This is going to be a week where you can get anything you want. Uh, you try to look for value, just like with Daily Fantasy, you know, what you can get most bang for your buck. I think Wild Mountain Time might actually be our hidden value right here. 8400 for Emily Blunt. So less than, so not even 10% of your call sheet for a headliner. Get that 40% bonus on your call sheet. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. What's up? There's a bobbleheads the movie. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Who, who's in the bobbleheads? Yeah, voicing share voicing herself. Uh, I guess Jennifer Coolidge. I, I think she might either be herself or might actually be have a role. Animated, you know, fun for everyone. Yeah, there goes share. Oh my god! <laughs> Who thought this was a good idea? Hey, there is merch to be sold. And fun to be at. Uh, uh, our girl from uh, The Boys, Karen Fukuhara, the mute. Nice. Good to see her getting some more. Oh, and, and Brenda's, Brenda's song. He, I, I mean, I have an irrational love of Brenda's song. I don't know why. I mean, I know she looks good. It's mostly that she looks good. But also, what, I, what show was she on? She was on, I, she came up through the whole like Disney, you know, Mouseketeer oh. type thing. But she was on. Um, You're right. 
Wasn't she like one of the friends or like, I want to say she was like a friend on you, but no, I don't think she was on, on the show you. She was, uh, they gave her her own Netflix show that was terrible. It was like like uh, one where her, her fiance or someone is stalking her and-, and she, was in, she was in Social Network, right? Yes, that's what it was. That's what put me on to Brenda's song with Social Network. She was Christy, the the, the fake girlfriend of, uh, of Eduardo Saverin who, you know, went a little bit jealous nuts and burned something and burned her his gift in like a trash bag. It's like, Christy, I'm breaking up with you. <laughs> I, I, I love, he's low key. He's totally underrated in that movie. He should have gotten nominated for something. He was excellent in that movie. He was great. I mean, Jesse Eisenberg did a great, you know, portrayal of that sociopath Zuckerberg, but man, he, I mean, Garfield really held that movie together. Upon multiple watches, I love him in that. I really do. All right, so yeah, so that's what you want to take a look at. Maybe bobbleheads. I mean, nine thousand. I mean, there's pretty much gonna be value to be had all over this slate. So pretty much get what you want within reason. Uh, and if you're going for the low ball, and this is a, this is a wrinkle in our in our contest. So simultaneously with your three available call sheets at your disposal. You can choose to do a call sheet going for the high, you know, the $50 first place prize, $25 for second, $10 for third, or you can go for the $15 low ball bonus with the low ball. We're trying to get purposely the lowest scoring uh, uh, call sheet with, but you must spend at least 75,000 in, in a budget. You must have at least one actor from three different titles. So you can't just load up all on, on one, on one uh, uh, property. And you must also still have a headliner, a co-star, and a day player, just like a regular call sheet. So just to give you an example, <clears throat> last week's low ball call sheet winner, you know, G24, the homie, uh, he, and he won it running away too. Look at this sucker. He uh, won it by like, like 60 points almost. Uh, he, you know, 76,000 in budget. So he met, meet the $75,000 minimum. And he went with, oh, Henry YYZ, your boy, Henry Gomes, rhymes with Holmes. From Goransky Slack, he's won some money in the game. Shout out uh, to Henry playing the game. Yeah, yeah the, our our didn't he win? Yeah, our HQ trivia the uh, winner of residence mm-hmm. in Slack. Yeah, so yeah, so G twenty four went with. Yeah, uh, yeah. Go ahead. No, my uh, my girlfriend also won HQ once too. Whoa, for real! Shout out to Alex. Shout out to Alex. How much did she win? Uh, I think she won something like five bucks. <laughs> hey, hey, you know what? Uh, going against thousands of people, kudos yeah. to her. Oh, no, okay. shout out to her. Shout out to anybody that wins HQ. That, that shit is hard. Yeah, so I heard. I Actually, I never quite got into it, but I knew, but I used it as an example when I was, you know, talking to investors and stuff for a draft stream, for a cinema draft and stuff uh, that, you know, for you play games can actually take off. Um, yeah, so What Lies Below did pretty poorly. Selena, the series, this looks like a salary grab, honestly. Um, and then Love, Weddings, and Other Disasters. You How bad was this movie? This shit, it got a 10 on yeah, a five from Rotten Tomatoes. 5%. So 95% of the people hate that movie. That, that movie. 10% on Metacritic. That was, that's pretty bad. So yes, yeah, so that was the crux of his, of his uh, low ball call sheet. So in looking for similar lows, I am thinking, and you can kind of tell too, when you sort it by salary, because I, I do, I do try to make the cheaper ones, the, the worst ones. I think you're going to have some play with sexual animals. Songbird. Now, this could go either way. Songbird, but this is the Michael Bay film shot during pandemic. 
the whole COVID-23. I'm not sure you saw that trailer, but people were like, not ready, too soon. Mm -hmm. So it either might get a too soon backlash or it could be your source of hidden value. It might be a coin flip. So I'm going to see what the score is looking like coming into Thursday afternoon <laughs> before I decide. So, so if, it, if, it, if it's breaking bad, you might want to load up on Songbird for your low ball. Funny Boy seems dead on arrival. I think it already has an IMDb score. Uh, yeah, well, 5.9. That's actually not bad. So I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see about that one. So yeah, so that's oh, and then the very excellent Mr. Dundee. That is definitely DOA. It has min price, min salary pricing. Paul Hogan, fifty five hundred is the cheapest. I pretty much go with a headliner, and yeah, it's 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 min price for a reason. So you're gonna want to get a lot of that. You're gonna have to go up in salary somewhere. So I'm thinking maybe nurses. No, that's not even that high up. Yeah, so you want it, so when you're doing a low ball call sheet, you want to stock it up with as many day players because that gets no bonus as as possible. So, anyways, if you are so inclined to play the game, everybody, you have until 6 p.m. Pacific time to get your call sheets in to uh, to cinemadraft at gmail.com. That's right, one hundred dollar prize pool once again this week, fifteen dollar bonus to the lowest scoring call sheet with those parameters. All right. All right, Hasib, we are bringing this sucker in for a landing. Clap it up for you. Thanks for hanging out on the Draft Pod with your boy. Thank you. Thank you. No, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, great villains, great cul-de-sacs. appreciate it. So yeah. this is usually when I ask my guests on their way out to go ahead and plug their ish. So Hasib, if there's any ish to plug, go ahead and plug your ish. Uh, I don't need to plug anything. I do want to give some shout-outs. Uh, the Bayest of Bay, my girl Alex. Hi. Um, also, uh, the Slack group, especially the the movie drafters, Henry, Pam, Omid, Mike. They, they helped prep you for the they prep you for the pod a little bit, huh? Got, yeah. got inspiration from the pod, which I appreciate. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I'm not in the movies channel as much as I'm in the television channel for some reason, but I, I mean, I like that channel too in our in our Slack group. You know me, I'm all up in the politics too. I'm the sports ball and the, the fancy sports. I'm all over the place. Yeah, I'm, I'm all up in the movie channel and the sports ball channel, and yeah, that's about it. Yeah, I'll be late. You'll you'll catch me like responding to some stuff three days ago, but I, I try to catch up with movie slack. I try to catch up. Yeah. All right. Well, good shit. Uh, appreciate you on the pod. Thanks everybody for listening and watching at home. They, uh, everyone for playing the game, supporting the game. I know I say it just about every week now, but I feel we are so close. We are so close to getting the web app up and running again. So thank you for your patience, for copying and pasting with the alpha draft, uh, alpha, te alpha test game. It's been great uh, getting all the kinks out of the game and learning the game mechanics. So thanks, everybody, for watching. Thanks, everyone, for playing. And we will be back next week with another top five and another great guest with the Cinema Draft Podcast. We will see you next week, everyone. Thanks for playing. Thanks for watching. Holla at your boy. Where can you find Cinema Draft? We are on Twitter, at Play Cinema Draft. Facebook, Cinema Draft. Instagram, at Play Cinema Draft. Medium, at Cinema Draft. That is our corporate blog. We're even on Pinterest, Cinema Draft. 
Also subscribe to this podcast at iTunes, Google Music, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts from. And finally, please visit us at cinemadraft.co and sign up for an invite to the relaunch. We will always have games where you can sign up, play for free, and win real money. Cinema Draft is a registered mark of Cinema Draft LLC. Both the Cinema Draft game and the CD3D decentralized app token are for entertainment purposes only.